Today's bonus episode of the City Smack Podcast is brought to you by Morton. I think some of you have heard of the new drink that's making waves in the running industry. Morton is the world's most carbohydrate-rich sports drink, and it's being used by most of the top marathoners in the world. Elliot Kipchoge used it in Breaking 2, and then he used it at the Berlin Marathon. Wilson Kipsang used it when he set the course record in Tokyo back in February. Galen Rupp used it in Chicago when he won just a couple weeks ago. Every major marathon winner since September 2016 has been drinking Morton while on the go. I personally have been testing it since May, and I think it played a major role in fueling me to my big personal best at the Berlin Marathon. Used it a couple weeks later during a half marathon, set another personal best. I'll be using it again at the New York City Marathon. There's two types of drink mixes that they have. One that serves 80 grams of carbs, and another that contains 40 grams. They're aimed to give you that energy boost for when the going gets tough during races, and our listeners can try it now. It's on sale in the EU and in the U.S. All you have to do is visit Morton.com, that's M-A-U-R-T-E-N.com, and our listeners have a special coupon code. So if you use promo code CMP20 for 20% off your next order. It works for Elliot Kipchoge. It works for me. I think you should see for yourself. Visit Morton.com today. Use promo code CMP20 for 20% off your order. My guest for this bonus episode of the City Smack podcast is four-time Olympian and the third fastest American woman all-time in the marathon, Shalane Flanagan. So this is a record with Shalane just a couple weeks ago for a story I was writing for Sports Illustrated. So that story is on SI.com. You can also find it in the show notes and the description for this episode. Um, I figured, you know, this is a good interview with a lot of nuggets that didn't make it into the final story. And before this New York City Marathon that she'll be running on Sunday, it's a good, you know, insight and look into how she approached some of her training what she was doing up in Mammoth, you know, a a little bit of general talk as well as, like, how tired does she feel on these runs? So I thought it was a really good interview, and and there's some bits and pieces that I think you would really appreciate. And so I really enjoy when people come up to me at, uh, you know, events like the live show that we did in New York or, you know, when I'm at a meet like the Sir Walter Myler and people tell me, hey, like, I really enjoy listening to the podcast I really appreciate that, and so as a way of giving back, I think there's sometimes a lot of things I leave behind in a notebook, and you know what? I'm going to post this audio, and I think you guys will really appreciate it and get some more insight into one of America's favorite distance runners, Shalane Flanagan. So she says this might be her last marathon. I don't, I'm not inclined to believe it, so hopefully we get to do another episode before Boston and if that's where her next and maybe last marathon would be. So I, I, I think you'll enjoy this episode. Let's uh, start the show. All right, Shalane. So first question, you're not done, right? <laughs> no, at least <laughs> I have, uh, what, 18 days until New York, I guess. So, no, definitely not done. <laughs> but, um, I, I haven't really thought, however, beyond November 5th, for sure. I mean, it's, I'm living in the present moment, and I, I like, honestly don't have any plans beyond November 5th. So, um, yeah, which is weird. I'm normally very much, like, a <laughs> long-term thinker and have, like, a lot of plans kind of down the road, but 
you know, and Jerry's kind of antsy. He doesn't like that. I don't really know my plans beyond that. Um, <laughs> but it's for sure, you know, I'm, I'm very much living in the moment with my training and trying to have a really great race um, in New York. So you've been the top American at a lot of these marathon majors, and uh, the last race you did was another Olympics in, in your career. Um, I guess, like, what, what are you still running for now as as far as, like, a big major goal for, for yourself? Like, winning these majors is, is always tough, and you've talked about the American record for, for years. Is that thought still there? I mean, it's just a question, I guess, that gets posed to, how do goals really change when when you know someone uh has been doing this for so long and and I guess age is the natural thing yeah, um well, the beauty is, and I'm not just saying this like Jerry can testify, Amy can testify, my teammates can testify over the last couple months i've I've actually felt really good, and there's no difference um I'm having some of the best training that I've ever had, especially for the marathon right now and so, you know, I keep on thinking, oh, you know, there's going to be a decay, there's going to be a decay, and then that'll be a natural sign to step away. But I I felt, I think, after this injury, a rejuvenation, especially in my body and mentally having had that break and stepping away for a little bit. So um, I feel really, really good. So that excites me to just feel so good in training. Um, but, yeah, it's always evolving what's important to me and yeah, trying to win a major marathon, you know, trying to trying to be like Mev and trying to be like Tina, um, that they've been my idols that I've looked up to for a really long time and ever since I got into the sport. And so I'm trying to aspire to be on that kind of level. And, you know, they've won major marathons. And so that, that's what I feel like I'm missing in my career. I feel like I've done so much of what I've wanted and even exceeded my expectations in many aspects. I've been able to hold almost every American record at various distances on the track and on the road. And But what has eluded me for sure is really nailing a major marathon and specifically winning one. And unfortunately, I've chosen some major marathons that unfortunately have had a lot of, like, doping going on. So, you know, and I'm not just, like, saying that um, as, like, it's a fact. Like, you know, reading mm-hmm. up who did test positive. I'm not, like, just projecting, like, hypotheticals. Um, you know, Sung Gong, the gold medalist, test mm-hmm. positive. So I've just unfortunately worked really hard and tried to perform in some really big races, but unfortunately the cards were just stacked against me for sure. Like, I really never had a chance when I got on the starting line. So... Um, I'm just hoping I can the stars can align in in the right way and I can find a race where it's true competition because I believe when there is true competition I'm not saying I would win but I think I'm apt to have a really great race that I'm proud of instead of walking away feeling like I'm hanging my head. So, right. You know I may never have that major marathon win under my belt um, like Meb and Cena but um, I think I still have special races within me so. I think if as long as I honor my talents and, and be able to put together just, you know, an inspiring race, I think that that at some point is going to have to be enough if I never do win a major marathon. And you meant, I guess, you, you, but you didn't mention, I guess, like uh, the American record. So have you put that on hold for now? I think so. Um, I think with, if I had to pick one, you know, and I'm going to put my energy towards one particular 
goal. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's not been the the American record for some reason. Just New York and Boston are just like kind of magical to me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I believe I chased enough fast times on the track that I'm kind of at peace with um, my PRs and the times. I know I can run a faster marathon. I know that for sure. But um, it's just not as important to me as doing well in New York and Boston. And obviously, I think running an American record on the New York course is just, it seems like a tall order regardless. But uh, I guess, like, what are your, winning would be awesome. The pers- I guess a personal expectation, what would be a successful day if it maybe wasn't the win? Because it also sounds like, I guess I read that and you never really can tell with these, like, Kenyan newspapers or whatever, like, what's true and what's not. But Mary Katani mentions, like, she ran 217 and in London, so she wants to, you know, probably go after something like that in New York, which sounds crazy to do on the New York City Marathon course. But if it's another similar case, like something that happened in Chicago with Dababa taking it out really hard, if Mary decides to go out really hard, how do you respond to that? And how does that, I guess, maybe change your game plan for the day to still have it be a successful day? Yeah. Um, so the course record, I believe, you may have to check um, my facts here, but I think it's held by Paula Radcliffe, and I think it's a 222. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, as you know, New York is extremely tough. Um, the course, uh, winds, the weather, the you just never know what kind of day you're going to get. Last year was basically perfect. Um, and, yeah, I know Mary is capable of something exceptional she's a, just one of the best athletes and um so that's what excites me to go to new york though because she is one of the best ever so um that being said you know she's won it three times new york so what's left for her okay win again but she may be adding another layer of motivation to try to be the fastest marathoner woman marathoner on that course so mm-hmm. yeah it's not out of the realm of possibility that she's thinking a course record for sure but we could wake up and it could be terrible conditions and her game her game plan may change just given the day um but i think you know i'm not here to like i'm not going to show up and say oh i'm gonna you know save it for another day i'm completely 100 percent all into new york and trying to run the best possible race i can and trying to challenge so my my goal is okay let's let's see if i can run with the best in the world and that's a really tall order and risky but um i've got nothing to pull me back i'm not saving anything um for a later date everything is like very much the immediate in the now so i'm willing to take big risks um in new york if mary decides to run pretty aggressive and wild then i'm just going to see how aggressive i can be and really push my upper limits and what I'm capable of. So, you mentioned, I guess, on the conference call that you, in training, have done a couple 130 mile weeks, right? Uh, what's that? What's that feel like for for someone like you? I remember before the trials, um, the marathon trials, Debbie was saying how you know you put in all this training, you're falling asleep, and I think she was like, you're falling asleep, like, and your your head is almost like in your soup, like while you're having food. What what is it like for you? I guess how tired do, do you get? after a 130-mile week. Yeah. So 130 miles, and then you had the layer of altitude, and I was living at like 8,500 feet, and you're running in just really tough trails and conditions. So 
it's absolutely exhausting. It's maybe my least favorite part of the job is I get so <laughs> tired of being tired. <laughs> and um, you have to do it because you know that it'll pay off, but it's by far, I hate not having energy. I hate, you know, the thought of um, just making dinner or doing laundry seems arduous, <laughs> like unloading the dishwasher. Like I look at the dishwasher and I'm like, I need to unload the dishwasher. And like, that <laughs> seems like a huge task. And like, a normal person would be like, you're crazy. But when you're really exhausting yourself, you know you're doing a good job as a marathoner then. Because, you know, if I see someone who says, oh, I'm training for a marathon, or elite athlete, I should say an elite athlete who's training for a marathon, and they have the ability to go out to dinner with friends, and they, they can attain social life somehow, I'm thinking to myself, man, either I'm doing it wrong or they're doing it wrong. Because when you really are all into a marathon, it's all-encompassing. It's a lifestyle. It's three months of giving everything you have and every fiber of your being. So, yeah, when Desi says you're falling asleep, you know, eating your soup, that means she was doing the training right. That means that's pretty much nailing, marathoning. <laughs> How solitary has this build-up been? And is it always like that for you? I mean, you were a mammoth. You had some of the, the Bowerman guys. But are you alone most of, most of the time, or do you have people? Because now you've got family, too. Yeah, so um, I got to Mammoth, and Chris Derrick and Andrew Bumbleau were still there, um, you know, preparing for Chicago, and so we overlapped by just one week, and then I had the remaining four weeks um, by myself, um, and about 10 days into that trip, though, my husband showed up, and he came and was there with me for three weeks, and then I had another solo week by myself, um, so he's really great for company, and, um, you know, just having someone to to start the run with, even if we don't run together technically, just knowing someone else is out there running with me is really a huge help. I love knowing that other people are around. Um, but at first, you might have rough caps probably in the middle of my altitude stint where the fatigue is setting in really heavy. Um, and I think when you get really on that edge of training, you just I find that at least myself and I watch other athletes that I know, it's a lot easier to kind of get down on yourself. And I find I can get emotional because I'm just so tired and and I miss having my teammates around. And I think that's a part of the, what we do that a lot of people don't realize. Like, they see all these athletes line up on the start line. They're like, oh, my gosh, they have the dream job. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, we get to go to Mammoth, and it's stunning, and it's beautiful. But there's there's a lot of lonely moments, to be honest. And um, what keeps us going is the thought of that start line and having a great race. So when we line up, it's there's a lot riding on that day because we've gone through – a lot of pep talks to get ourselves <laughs> to that point to get through the training. Um, so, you know, like halfway through Mammoth, I was definitely missing my teammates a lot. Um, it's just nice to have that camaraderie, and you don't get a lot of social aspects when you're training that hard. So mm-hmm. um, having your teammates is like, it's a great way to be social. Um, so, you know, I reached out to the Mammoth Track Club, and Dina and Andrew are just so, they're so nice. And, they have a great group of young athletes that they've got working um, there. And so I hooked up with them a few times and the halls were kind of coming and going in and out and then Meb showed up. And so, you know, it kind of pieced together where I felt like I had some company there towards the end, but there was like a 10 day stretch where I didn't really see anyone. And it was just my husband and I, and um, he's a great, (laughs) great support system, but it's not quite the same as having, um, you know, your teammates and your training partners. Mm -hmm. What in Mammoth replicates, bridges and first avenue that i guess help you for to handle like the new york city course um 
yeah, so Round Valley is where I would go, do, go down and do some of my long runs, and it's a great, uh, like, six-and-a-half-mile loop that I would use. And there was um, stretches of just some subtle uphills, and I would imagine, you know, um, Fifth Ave and the park and some of the bridges. It's, it's all about creating that mental visual as you're out there training, especially if you're alone. It's a great time. So, you know, mm-hmm. while while I wish I had teammates, there was – a lot of visualization going on um, while I was there. So, um, you know, there's a uh, Green Church Road, which is like where Meb and all of the great athletes that have trained in Mammoth um, use for tempo runs. And there's just some really key hills and downhills. And so I think whenever I had an opportunity with the hills, for sure, I would start to visualize parts of the course that I remember. And then what kind of conversations have you had, I guess, with Jerry about, this particular race in this year and you mentioned that it's it's a little like uh i guess different for him to not have any sort of outlook for for 2018 for for you so far but i mean like what what are, what's the conversation like for for you at this point in your career uh building up towards uh new york um i think he's excited he knows he can see that um things are clicking for me things I, there's like a flow to my training I'm not having to force it. Um, he's he's really pleased with my fitness. And so, you know, whenever you can arrive at the start line healthy and fit, there's always the potential for something special to happen. So I, I can sense he's very excited with, with where I'm at. And um, I think he knows that, you know, each time I step on the line that um, – we we just hope for something big because he knows how important it is to me and you know there's only a few things left that I really want to accomplish so there's a lot of importance to when I step on the line for these major marathons it's uh he knows how much it means to me so I think he he's excited and nervous and um you know hopeful is there anything that he or anything really I guess about marathon training or anything that maybe Jerry spurs on you with workouts and stuff that surprises you or maybe because you've been doing this for, for, for so long, but is there anything that pops to you when you look at like the, the cheaper for this week or something like that? And you're like, Ooh, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that one. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, just this Monday, uh, we had a, a long run and it was like to 24 and a half miles and it's on this, three and a half mile loop that's like right below my house actually. And it's very hilly and it replicates New York. Great. Um, and it's challenging. It beats up your legs. And I'd come off of one of my best weeks of training ever last week to like best lifetime best type of sessions. And so coming into this Monday, I was thinking, Oh, maybe he'll just like, you know, throw me a softball and maybe not make it so hard. And I was negotiating with him right before (laughs) trying to do less I was like well what if we just do 21 miles instead of 24 because you know we're already ahead of the game let's just not mess it up kind of thing and um you know he played hardball with me and he's like no I think you got this so you know he was calling even though I told him I was like I'm really tired my legs feel like they've been through a meat grinder are you sure we should do this and I was negotiating like crazy and I normally never do that so he knows I was tired but, you know, it's that kind of thing. He's like, no, I have faith in you. You can get this done. And what do you know? It's like I just put my head down. We were talking most of the time. And before I knew it, it was over. And it was a great session. And I was happy that I did it. But, you know, it's moments like that when you're really tired as a marathoner and you're kind of questioning whether it's the right thing to do. And having a coach is vital. And 
that encouragement and that faith um, is crucial, you know, in the times when you're really tired. So he entertained me for, you know, 90 minutes. And before I knew it, I was like, oh, I'm almost done. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, I want to go back a couple months to, I guess, like the injury that that happened right before for Boston. Um, Can you, I guess, like take it through? How how did it happen? Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, pinpoint exactly how it happened but for sure it was a combination of some things that I've never done in my career I'm going to guess is I've never really trained on snow um, and I've never done a lot of treadmill running Uh, Portland typically doesn't get much snow and um, but we just got hit with a nasty storm here and you know we had conditions that just wouldn't allow us to you know, escape it, and it was not melting quickly whatsoever, and there's no plows, so, you know, I did a combination of running outside on snow and probably slipping and then doing a lot of running on the treadmill. I was just getting my mileage up really high for Boston, so, um, you know, and I was probably a little too stubborn, and just instead of just backing off a little bit on the mileage and waiting till the snow went away, I was still was like, oh, no, I got this. I can still um, train through it because you know I hear recreational runners like they do some crazy things and I'm like man <laughs> these recreational runners are way more hardcore than me and so I'm thinking if recreational runners you know that are getting ready for Boston and aren't in the elite field they're doing 20 milers like what why can't I you know so I was kind of stubborn about it because I hear like I have friends from home who are getting ready for Boston and they they send me pictures and they're like, oh, yeah, I just did a 20-miler, no big deal, you know. And I'm like, man, if they can do it, I can do it, you know. Well, clearly I couldn't. Um, so for some reason I'm not made to, uh, to do 20 miles on the treadmill nor run on the snow. So I paid the price for it. But, um, yeah, I, just, it, I, I thought like I just had low low back pain. And it just kept persisting, and I couldn't quite get rid of it and figure it out. And before I knew it, um, you know, I, I had that little hairline. I had a hairline fracture. And I think it was just a lot of tight muscles in my back probably from slipping out and compensating um, on the treadmill and changing my mechanics. Um, it, it's so it's, – it's always interesting to me. I've never had, like, a major injury that, like, takes me out or, like, scrap race plans completely. But – for you, it's like when you take the marathon and marathon training away, what are you like as a person when you have to, you know, find something something else to do? Because in the moment, it's really hard, and it, I guess, makes you appreciate more when you actually do it. In the moment, we we, you, we, we hate the training, but yeah. you yeah. take it away, and we, we, we miss it. What was it like for yeah. you? Yeah, well, I think... I think initially, um, I didn't realize I was probably in like a state of fatigue. I had just, I've been, I had been training up until that point continuously since 2005. There's no break, really, no substantial break. So I think in a way, when I got injured, I was devastated, but I was like, kind of felt like a relief. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm realizing now I'm really tired. Like, so I think (laughs) I actually was like, I don't even mind that I'm not running right now, um, because I was just, I've been training forever. I ne- and so the first week I actually didn't mind it so much. And then, and then I started to realize like I'm used to being outside like a couple hours a day. Like I'm outside a lot. And I think I went through a little bit of a deprivation of being outside. Like, you know, I go to the pool or to the bike and it just didn't feel the same kind of reward as running. Cause I'm used to just getting that fresh air and being outside and feeling that pounding in my legs. And I, for sure, I missed it, and all I could think about was, well, if I ever just get back to running like normal again, like 
yeah, you appreciate it so much more. And I tried to remind me, myself when I got really tired in this buildup that, like, you know what, at least you're healthy and you have the ability to go run 130 miles. Like, at one point this year, you didn't even have that ability and that honor of being able to do that. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I fell back on my roots of swimming, um, which a lot of people hate. But, um, you know, I found that, like, I, I definitely became a different – like, my body type took on definitely, like, a swimmer and a cycler. Like, my quads got really big. My arms got bigger. Everything changed. I didn't quite look like the runner I typically um, look like when I'm, you know, getting ready for a major marathon. But um, I actually just – I kind of just embraced it, and I didn't go crazy cross-training because I was thinking to myself, I clearly need a break. I think, you know, that that, that fracture in my back was a sign, like, you need to rest. So I didn't go crazy and just kind of just did what – enough to just feel good for that day. I didn't didn't go um, overboard. This is going to be marathon number 10 for you. Has it felt like it's number 10? It's funny you say that. I was just counting in my <laughs> head last night. So I'm like, man, Ned, this, this is going to be a 26. I'm like, How many have I even run? Um, yeah, I, that's pretty crazy that this is number 10. Um, yeah, I feel lucky that I, I've gotten through 10, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's definitely a blessing. I, you know, a lot of people can take that for granted. There's a lot of people who, you know, who are great marathoners who actually, if you look, their careers actually aren't that long. So to right. see that I've continuously had some really, really solid results and, you know, 10 marathons, I've, I've actually never run slower, I think, than 228, I think, in the marathon. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like my slowest I've ever run. That may have been the Olympic trials maybe um, in the heat in L.A. or something. It's 228 or 229, and so I've run all my marathons, you know, faster than that. And so that's that's like a really, you know, I'm proud of that. Um, and yeah, and the the reality is, physically, I it's nothing pulling me back. If I, if I end up not um, continuing much further beyond New York, um, it's more because I need a mental break because physically, there's nothing um, holding me back anymore now that I'm healthy. So I mean, like when you mentioned nothing beyond New York. That's like a thought that that might scare like fans. Like sort of like a year from now, you you you'd probably still be running, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. That's the thing. I'm very much all into um when I pick a race, you know, like New York, it's like I'm I'm mentally acting like as if it's my last. I just I don't want to have these contingencies like, well, if this doesn't go well, then I've got this. You know, I don't want contingencies. I just want want to like act as if this is it so Mm -hmm. um i like putting that pressure on myself to just get it done and perform well so um because the honest honestly i I just i don't know so Mm -hmm. is it hard i guess being such a like a a top level athlete in your sport because we watch like like peyton manning wins the super bowl he goes out on top like for you being an elite athlete how do you i guess envision the perfect retirement. Like that, the perfect that's like off. the dream. Yeah, that's <laughs> the dream. You know, winning the Super Bowl or, you know, the NBA final or the World Series and just walking away. To me, that's like the perfect time. And to be honest, it's, you know, um, it, it, there's just a variety of ways in which people want to have their careers go. Some want to continue and, you know, go after master's records and, um, 
But for some reason, I'm just I'm wired a little bit different in the sense that, yeah, I, the Peyton Manning in the sense it's like you go out on top. It doesn't mean I won't ever run again, but to call myself an elite, after a certain point, there's going to be a cutoff date. Um, kind of like what Meb, you know, Meb has a cutoff date. And mm-hmm. after November 5th, he's no longer an elite athlete. And he'll still run and he'll do a bunch of races, I'm sure. But he's no longer Meb the elite athlete. You know, that that side of him is done. He's not going to give you know, 100% of his his life and his day into the into running anymore. And so I think I'm similar in that mentality of I'm 100% all in, and then there's going to come a time where I don't want to be 100% all in. I still want to enjoy the sport for what it is, but there's going to be a time where I'm, you know, I want to go run, uh, you know, Tokyo because it's for me, and it's not mm-hmm. to try to beat anyone or run a certain pace. It's just to embrace and enjoy the sport. And then, I guess I was just gonna follow up with uh, with something. I was just um, blanking out now. Oh, so yeah, I guess like you don't envision yourself pulling a Joni and like trying to run three hours at sixty years old because that, that that's even asking a lot to push your body <laughs> for that long. Yeah, yeah. No, I I you know everyone has different goals and what's important to them and just um, what gets them out the door every day and. Um, yeah, that's very much Joni, and it's so cool to have her do that. But that that's Joni for sure. Um, and uh, no, that won't that won't be me um, by any means. I think uh, I'll still be out there running, but I don't think I will. Her her goals are so uh, they're so inspiring. Like people people love to follow her, and she inspires the masses. And um, but yeah, I think my running will be definitely different. I'll be like helping pace someone, um, mm-hmm. you know, like you're going to do New York. I, I find that fun, like going and running with someone and helping someone um, achieve a goal for themselves. I think at some point I'll be done setting my own goals, and um, I find it fun to help other people achieve theirs. Oh, I remember what it was. Now, Sid, it was about, re- like, going out on top. Is track and, like, marathon running a little bit different because – you guys make money off of, you know, the appearances that comes with with running the marathons and I guess like winning it prize money. If you hypothetically did win one of these, then that just means that the next one you would get, you know, a bonus to show up at the starting line. But it, so there, it, there's that component that going out on top in track and in, in, in the marathon, it's a little tougher because you'd have to pass up on so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the major marathons are very, you know, financially rewarding. Um, but I I always make decisions uh, based on my goals and what's important to me. And I've, I've never made a decision because of finances. And I don't see that changing at the mm-hmm. very end. And I've been fortunate enough to have, um, you know, just a really great career in, in the sense that I've never made – decisions based on finances it's always been about how am I going to get the best performance and what excites me and motivates me and I never started out in the sport thinking oh I'm gonna um, do this to make money that's never once entered my mind and I think because I've chased the goals and not money it's led to great results Um, sometimes I think it's easy for people to make the wrong decisions in this sport based on money and I understand you need the money to keep going in the sport to sustain yourself for sure um but I think why I've gotten along so well with uh Jerry is 
we're performance minded all 100% all the time. And so I think that has allowed us to make the best decisions possible. Awesome. So I think, I think I've run through everything so far. Um, Awesome. I can't believe we're the race is coming up so soon. I know. <laughs> so what way then when will you be taking off? Um you said you're gonna help Pace, right? Yeah, so um my buddy it's his first first ever marathon. He we went to high school together and um New York's our hometown and so uh yeah. he wants to be one and done, just do this one as well and and then yeah. that's it. Um so I guess like early on the goal was like he just wanted to break four hours and then all of a sudden he sees me run 337 in Berlin and yeah. we've been, you know, neck and neck and workouts all the time. And then he just beat me, uh, in a half this past weekend and we both PR'd, uh, which is crazy wow. to think like after the marathon, I've still got, you know, a little bit of yeah. speed on, on my legs. And so, um, yeah, we both PR'd in, in the half and, um, so yeah, now we're going to like the idea I, I told him like, you can go after my 337 and try and beat it, but, like, I don't think I've got that in my legs to turn around that quick and do another one, especially on this tough of a course. So I think the goal for me will be just, you know, set the pace for him in the first 20 and then hang on for as, for as much as I can and enjoy those last six miles. Um, yeah. And then at the same time, like, if he wanted to, you know, not care about the time and cross the finish line together, then it'll, yeah. it'll probably be on him to slow down for me. Cause yeah, yeah this is, this course <laughs> hasn't treated me all too well, but, um, yeah, yeah so I'm excited. It'll be good. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's so yeah. fun. Well, I hope, I hope we get good weather and then you can uh, go after, you know, a good time and. But you yeah. may surprise yourself. Who knows? You know. I know. <laughs> so don't don't set any uh, limitations. But I like exactly. that plan. See what you yeah. get till twenty, and then then you assess. But exactly. Yeah. Never awesome. know. That bonus interview was brought to you by Morton. Check it out. M a u r t e n dot com. It's the world's most carbohydrate rich sports drink, and it's working wonders. If you don't believe me, check out the New York City Marathon and see what happens. There's a good chance that the winner of the race has been drinking Morton all along the course, and the results are showing. Every World Marathon major winner since September 2016 has been drinking Morton while on the go. So check it out. Visit Morton.com and use promo code CMP20 for 20% off your order. That does it for this week's episodes of the Smack Podcast. I will be back next week after I've fully recovered from the marathon. So we'll probably debrief with Stephanie Bruce and Kellen Taylor. And uh, I think that'll be fun. And after that, we'll gear up and find some more guests, maybe some cross-country related stuff. But be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, leave a five-star review. Take your friend's phone. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. You know, we're on Stitcher now. You can find us on SoundCloud. So, you know, we're doing, we're doing good things as a podcast. We're going to keep it growing. Thanks a lot to the people who came out to the live show once again and we're going to continue to have fun and, and engage with this audience i've been your host chris chavez wishing you happy and healthy running